aisle and choir and orchestra. That blesses me and I thank you for doing it. Well, today we return to the Sermon on the Mount and our subject today, our focus today is going to be worry or being anxious. I would imagine that applies to most of us in some form or the other because of what we are going through or anticipate going through. We have a tendency to worry and so the Lord deals with it. There are two primary temptations we face in life. First of all, there is love of the world. And when I say that, I am talking about the world system. The Bible says that God loves the world. So I'm not talking about it in that sense, but the world system that leads us away from trusting in the Lord, that leads us away from the word of God, the world system. Jesus was tempted with that in the wilderness when Satan said to him, if you will bow down and worship me, then I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. That's what we're talking about. And that, that is what Demas yielded to when he was tempted. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So one temptation we deal with is to love the world or the system of the world. The other is that we fear the world. And when we fear the world, that leads us to worry. That leads us to anxiousness. For instance, we think that if I do not participate in the world, if I'm not a part of it, then I'm going to be excluded. If, if I am not a part, then I will not be included in the world and the things of the world. Therefore, I cannot be successful. So we worry about being included. We worry about being a part of the world because we are fearful. If we are not a part, then we cannot be successful in life. Worry is a timeless temptation. In fact, there was an ancient Egyptian medical book discovered that was written in 1552 B.C. And it listed the things then that the people were worried about. They were worried about going bald. They were worried about their hair turning gray. They were worried about the same things you and I worry about today. Have you noticed the number of commercials on television that deal with baldness? Have you noticed the number of commercials on television that deal with your hair becoming gray and how you can fix that? We worry about the same things. It is a timeless temptation that we simply worry. The word worry comes from two Latin words, which means to divide and the mind. So the word worry then means to divide the mind. We worry because we are being pulled in opposite directions. When we worry, it means that our mind is divided and it is being pulled in different directions. That's what the word means. So Jesus deals with it in Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse number 25. For this reason... I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so raised the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself each day, has enough trouble of its own. All right, in verse number 25, Jesus says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And then he goes on to name the three basic things about which we are normally anxious. The first thing he mentions is food. Now, that's not a problem for most of us. We are, don't have a shortage of food, most of us. But my mother grew up in the time of the Great Depression, and so that was a concern of hers. She had a refrigerator in the house that was full of food. And then she had two freezers in the garage that were filled with food. She was not going to run out of food. I remember my brother coming to our house, and he was there one Morning, he was uh, standing in front of the refrigerator in our house, and the door was open. He's just standing there looking. And I said, Mark, what are you doing? He said, that's just the first time I've ever seen the back of a refrigerator. <laughs> well, there are those who are concerned about food. So Jesus makes the argument not to be anxious about food in verse number 26. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? So here's the argument that Jesus is making. He says that God gives life. We would agree with that, that God gives us life. Should we then not expect that God sustains life? If God gives life, if he is the giver of life, then will he not sustain life? Barclay wrote, the first argument is that if God gave us life, we can trust him for the things which are necessary to support life. God gives life and he supports life. He gives life and he sustains life. That is the argument that Jesus is making. And then he gives us a visual in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. Okay, they don't reap, they don't sow. Have you ever looked out your window and saw a bird planting a garden? No. They don't reap, they don't sow. But God provides for the birds. That's the picture that he is making, that God provides for them. 
Rabbi Simon wrote in my life, I have never seen a stag as a dryer of figs or a lion as a porter or a fox as a merchant, yet they are all nourished without worry. All right, the point that Jesus is making when he tells us not to worry about food, he says that God provides for the birds. If you are his child, do you not think the heavenly father will provide for his children? Psalm 37, 25 says, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. The first basic concern we have or worry that we have is that for food. And he says that God provides for the birds, he will provide for you. The second is clothing, verse number 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? For the life of me, I have never been able to understand how an unnamed woman can stand in front of the closet that is filled with clothes and declare, I have nothing to wear. I've given up on the answer to that. I don't have a clue, but that's, uh, I've heard that before. So what does he say about that? So our worry then is about clothes. So what does he say? Look at verse number 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. Now what I want you to notice is this. In verse number 26, he says, look at the birds. That, that is an obvious conclusion we can come to. Look at the birds. In verse number 28, he says, observe the lilies. Look at the birds, observe the lilies. The word observe that is used there means to give serious consideration to. All right, so then we are to study the lilies. We, we, we casually look at the birds and learn the lesson. We are to study the, the lilies so that we might learn something. Okay, what do we learn? Well, we learn that flowers are beautiful. My dad grew beautiful roses when I was a boy. I was always uh, impressed with the roses that he grew because they were beautiful roses. I always look at the flowers when I come in on Sunday morning. I want to know what they are. I mean, these are gorgeous flowers who gave them and so forth because they are beautiful. Here's the thing. Flowers are beautiful, but they are temporary. See, that, that's what we have to learn. Flowers are beautiful, but they're temporary. We have flowers in our backyard, and I look at those flowers in the morning, and they are beautiful, but they may not be there the next day, because Linda didn't tend them as she should, but they may not be there the next day. They are, flowers are beautiful, but they're temporary. So here's the point. If God clothes the flowers that are temporary, will he not take care of man who is eternal? See, that, that's the lesson that he wants you to learn. When you begin to worry about these things, if God so clothes the flowers that are temporary, won't he take care of you who is eternal? Third thing we worry about is the future. Verse number 34, Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself each day, has enough trouble of its own. Now, he is saying to us, we don't have to worry about 
food, we don't have to worry about clothing, we don't have to worry about the future. You know what, that's a lot easier to preach than it is to live, right? That's a lot easier to say than it is to do. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the, I have those moments whenever I begin thinking, how's it going to be when I'm not here anymore? I've been here for 32 years. How's it going to be? And you begin to worry a little bit about that. You know, how are you going to do? How's it going to be when you're not there anymore? But what he is telling us, and I'm trying to learn something here. I hope you, I mean, maybe this is just for me. Maybe it has nothing to do with you. I'm just preaching to myself. I could have stayed home in bed and did that. You know. <laughs> he said, worry doesn't help us. But planning does. I'm not to worry about food and clothing and the future. I'm not to worry about those things, but I should plan. That's a part of being responsible. I should plan. And yet I know when I say that, that there are those who will say, well, that's not very spiritual. That means you're really not trusting the Lord. If you're planning, you know, you're just supposed to get up every morning and just, just go along with God and do whatever God is doing and so forth. And if you really had faith, that's what you would do. So you don't have to plan. Right? But God planned. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.4, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Before this world was ever created, God had planned for your salvation in Jesus Christ. So when I look at it, I see that God planned. Therefore, I think that it is a part of responsibility that we plan as well. Now, here's the danger that you have, is that we plan so much for tomorrow that we lose today, that we don't live today. I have known people who have made elaborate plans for retirement. I mean, they put money aside, they, they make all of these plans, and they forget to live today, and then they die. That is the danger of it, is that we make such elaborate plans while we forget to live today. Jesus said, do not be anxious. And then he says that life is more than worry in verse number 25. He says, for this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing. Folks, we don't have to worry because the truth is it's counterproductive. It's really counterproductive. There are times when I go to bed at night and I can't sleep, I get to worrying about something and I, so, you know, I might not go to sleep two or three o'clock in the morning because I'm worried about what are we going to do about this, what are we going to do about that, and you're worrying about it. All right, am I more productive the next day? No, I'm just tired. Worry is counterproductive physically. Charles Mayo of Mayo Clinic wrote, Worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system. Dr. Leonard Fosdick said that worry fosters tooth decay, heart disease, and ulcers. Who knows, it might make you bald. I don't know, if, uh, nobody said that, but it might. It's counterproductive physically. It doesn't help us physically. To worry does not help us physically. It is counterproductive emotionally. You see, when we worry, we are irritable. When we worry, we are irritable, we are unproductive, and people don't like to be around us. 
when you're always worrying about this and you're always confessing your worry here and so forth, people don't like to be around you. My Aunt Ruby is going to be with the Lord now, but she was a remarkable person. She lost her sight, she was blind, and she lost both legs, and she was in the nursing home. But her room would be filled with people because they loved the funny stories that she told. Now you think about how in the world could someone who has gone through what she had gone through have that kind of joy, and yet she did. Worry is counterproductive physically, it is counterproductive emotionally, and it is counterproductive spiritually because it means that you are living a life of fear rather than of faith. So when we worry, Jesus is saying that it is counterproductive and it is useless. Look at verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious or worrying, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? The word lifespan that is used can mean height or length of life. Height or length of life. And here, obviously, it refers to length of life. So what Jesus is saying, can you add any days to your life by worry? No, if it does anything, it subtracts days from your life. It's useless. Worry causes us to forget the things that we ought to remember. Look at verse 30. But if God shall raise the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Folks, there are some things we should remember, but when we worry, we do not. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. When we begin to worry, it is because we have forgotten God's past provision, how the Lord has provided for us. We're just worried about what is before us, but we forget that God has provided in the past. That happened to the Hebrews. When they were freed from Egyptian bondage, they were in the wilderness in Numbers 14, 3. And why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? See, they were worrying about what was before them. And they forgot what God had done how the Lord had released them and they were in the, uh, in the wilderness there. And when they were in the wilderness, they, they needed food, so they prayed and asked God for food and He provided them with manna miraculously. He provided food. When they needed water, God provided them with water. When they were leaving bondage, they came to the Red Sea. The Egyptian army was behind them and God parted the Red Sea and the Bible says that they went across on dry land, but they have forgotten all that because they're worried. We're going to be plundered out here. We're going to lose out here. And so they worried. The disciples had those times when they worried. They forgot about God's protection. They forgot about God's provision. They forgot about the Lord's power. They forgot that He had walked on water. They forgot that He had called Lazarus from the dead. They forgot all those things and they worried because they forgot what God had done in the past. We remember the past 
so we can know God provides for today. God has provided for you in the past, hasn't he? You remember that. You remember his provision in the past and that you can trust him today. And then God provides today and tomorrow according to our faith in verse number 30. But if God shall raise the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? You know what our problem is? Little faith. Little faith. Okay, well, what is little faith? If that's the problem, what is little faith? I believe that it is a faith that is limited only to the spiritual. I believe that little faith is a faith that is limited only to the spiritual realm. For instance, we believe that Jesus can provide streets of gold, right? We're going to go to heaven and there are going to be streets of gold. Jesus can provide streets of gold. But he can't help me with my gold card. We believe that Jesus can provide eternal life. We're going to live forever. But he can't help me with my daily bread. You see what I mean? I think that little faith is a faith that is limited only to the spiritual realm. That God cannot help me today. He's not interested today. When it becomes limited, then it becomes little. How does that happen? But we don't learn. We see the birds, but we don't pause to think, look how God is providing. Next time you see a bird eating, why don't you just say, isn't that amazing that God is providing something for that bird to eat? But we don't learn that lesson. We see the beautiful flowers that are temporary, but we don't learn that God who adorned them also provides for you. We fail to learn from our experiences with God. It's um, every year it's the same thing in the church. You know, we can track it. It's sort of interesting. We go through the year financially and, and, and you know, we have a deficit. We have a deficit now. That makes some people nervous, but we have a deficit. What happens every December? Am I talking to myself up here? <laughs> Am I the only one who gets excited about December? What happens in December? God bails us out, doesn't he? He stirs his people. Did you know that last December, not counting to Lottie Moon, not counting to the building fund, not counting to any of those things. But you gave $1.2 million to the budget in that one month. And we had to have it. I mean, I love it because it makes Larry Jordan so nervous. I mean, Larry is ringing and Bucky's not any better. Bucky's down there, he's whining and carrying on. So we're going down the tubes this year. These are men of faith. But God provides. The thing is, is that when we have a, a legitimate need and we've been responsible, 
then I think that God provides. So then, how do we move from little faith to great faith? Well, he says, don't be like the Gentiles. Look at verse number 31. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. The Gentiles or unbelievers had three flawed ideas. First of all is that life was accidental. It just happened. Life is an accident. That's the flaw of evolution. That there, There's nothing behind it. It just happened. Secondly, they believed that life was fatalistic. Okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. It was fatalistic. Thirdly, they believed that life was all that there was. So eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. So he said, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like the Gentiles. But instead, we trust the Heavenly Father. Folks, God knows your needs. Did you see there in verse number 32b, he said, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God knows that you need food. He knows that you need clothing. He knows that you, he knows your needs. God knows. And God cares. The Bible says in Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? God cares. He cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. He cares. And God provides. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So he says, now don't be like the Gentiles. They focus on the needs that they have. But instead we are to focus on our God. Our focus is on God. I'm cleaning out a lot of things that here at the church. I'm, I'm amazed at how much useless stuff I have. And I'm getting rid of all of it. Well, I was going through it and, and I came across a little book and I, I looked at it and I, I, haven't, I hadn't read it. And I thought, well, that is interesting. It, it's called, it, the name of the book is The Noticer. Some of you probably read it. Now, I would recommend it to you. It's The Noticer. In the first chapter, the one thing I got out of it is that he said, what you focus on increases. Is that right? What you focus on increases. If you focus on what you don't have, you become aware more and more of what you don't have. If you focus on what you do have, your focus increases and you become increasingly aware of what you have. If you focus on God, then you begin to see that God is enough. So he says, don't be like the Gentiles. They focus on what they don't have. But he says in verse number 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So he says that we are to seek the Lord. Psalm 105.4, seek the Lord and His strength, seek His face continually. But then he says, seek what? Seek what? First. First. My friend, God is to be priority. Seek first. He is to be the priority of your life. We love Him, but this speaks of priority. He is to be first. 
And in righteousness, the holier we are, the greater our faith. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Let me conclude. Let me give you four words to defeat worry. And I know that we, we worry, and, but we're not to be like the Gentiles. We're to trust the Lord. We're not to be irresponsible. We are to be responsible. So let me give you four words that will help. First is prayer. Begin each day in prayer acknowledging God. Each day in prayer. The Bible. Begin each day with the Word of God. Third, patience. Trust the Lord to work things out. Be patient. A lot of us are like the little boy whose cat died. And he buried his cat left the tail out so he could pull the cat up every day and see how the deterioration was coming. That's what a lot of us do. We have our problems, we give them to the Lord, but we leave the tail out because we want to check them all the time to see how it's coming along. Be patient. Let the Lord work His will and then commit to Christ. Don't worry about your circumstances. When the birds begin to worry and the lilies toil and spin, and God's creatures are all anxious, then I also may begin. For my Father sets their table, decks them out in garments fine. And if He supplies their living, will He not provide for mine? For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious. Our gracious Father, we face a lot of issues in life, and some of them are frightening to us. Some of them overwhelm us. But Lord, we know that you are a God who is greater than any circumstance we face, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Lord, today I pray that you would speak to the hearts of your people, encourage those who need to be encouraged. I pray that you would give confidence to those who are worried. I pray that their trust would be in you, not like the Gentiles, but their trust would be in you. Be with those who have never come to know Christ, that today they will, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir will sing. We extend an invitation. If you've never trusted Christ, we invite you to. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing. You come, I'll greet you should do.
be seated. I was just looking back here and I, I saw the shadow of um, Keith. I thought, my goodness, he's moving. I thought it was Steve. He's moving around. I thought maybe it was Dan. Maybe Dan is uh, taking that role too. But uh, just be praying for the service for Vacation Bible School that it is uh, going to be a, a great week for us and you'll be praying for that. Pastor, um, Steve has asked that I ask you and Linda to please step out. I know the deacons did that years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so if you would not mind, we hope you have a wonderful day. Okay. I'm a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, shall we sing him out? I, I, what can we do? Um, when he leaves, we have a, a very special word from um, Steve Phillips, who had to uh, go away. His son has his, is celebrating his 10th anniversary at Village Church today, so he has gone to be a part of that celebration. Then he has a special word that he's going to give to us once our pastor walks out the door. <laughs> So, oh. hmm. and he's out <laughs> yes 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 please listen to a word from Steve well sorry I had to dash out and couldn't do this in person but uh, they're celebrating my son Matthew and uh, James Blue's 10th anniversary at Village Church this morning, so I'm going back out there for a special luncheon that they're having. But let me tell you, everyone is very well aware now that July the 22nd will be our pastor's last Sunday as pastor of First Baptist Church. We want this to be a special day, and so uh, I hope you'll do a couple of things. Number one, several things. Be praying for the East Steps. Be praying for our church on this special day. Then secondly, I hope you will be here, and I hope you will invite someone to come. We'll have service at 10.30, but then we're going to have a very, very special service at 5 o'clock, and then we will have a reception following the service for the East Steps, so we hope you'll be there. Then we're giving a love offering. We're wanting to take the best love offering we've ever had in the history of this church. So if you've not given, I hope you will do so and be a part of this wonderful expression of love for the East Steps. Then another little new wrinkle is on Friday night, the 20th, we're going to have East Step Night at Spirit Communications Park with the Fireflies game. Now you can get tickets in the church office or you can go to our website and there's a link that will put you there for the special tickets that we will have. But once again, just be praying. Let's have a great day on the 22nd, a great day of love and appreciation for Pastor, for Linda, for their family and for the tremendous, tremendous job that he has done here as pastor for 32 years. Thanks, I know you will, because you're the best church in the world. Well, speaking of prayer, if you have any special prayer needs, please see one of our, our deacons with the red badge on. Now would we all please stand as we pray together. Oh God, I thank you so much for the pastor that you have given us. I thank you for his years of service, and I ask, Lord, that you would continue to use him, continue to bless him. And then, Lord, that you would bless us as we follow you today. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. 